<laughs> if you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not an I, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. Culture. It's your host, Mr. D713. Thank you to all our followers, our listeners, our supporters, all through season one and getting ready for season two. This is season two, episode one. I'm excited to have our guest for today. Uh, our guest for today is Esteban Mayers. Um, I've been knowing Esteban for woo, seven eight maybe nine years for some time the majority of my professional career i would say that and i i don't know if i i think i've mentioned before i know i mentioned numerous times off air uh esteban kind of is like one of the reasons that i have passion for culture awareness i've i've known it since i've been majoring about in, uh, in college and even in high school but he put a new twist and a new type of feel to it and it, it made me excited and he's one of i would say one of the big promoters or supports uh, and without him even knowing for everything culture so i'd like to introduce esteban mayors esteban yes um, well thank you very much brandon for inviting me to this very significant and important means of getting to uh, brothers, sisters, and the diaspora, and, and everybody else that has an ear to listen. I believe that uh, whenever we start a conversation like this, it is absolutely important that uh, folks will be informed properly because otherwise we just fall into a whole lot of things. Um, Agreed. And, and, I, and I know some people might try to figure out, okay, his voice sounds this way, he must be black, he must be white, he must be Latino, he must be whatever. Um, my name is Esteban Heraldo Mayers Gaskin, and that is because uh, my grandparents left the West Indies and went to Panama to build the Panama Canal in the late 1800s. Mm. They were able to do that, and uh, my parents were born there, so they're first generation uh, Panamanians by way of the West Indies, and I am second generation. So we um, have the Latino name, mm-hmm. and we have the West Indian name, which is somewhat of British uh, 
beginnings. And the thing about that is um, it is always interesting whenever we tell people our name, especially if we're only on the telephone. Mm-hmm. And um, then we actually see them and they're like, okay, but but you don't look Latino. <laughs> and the question is always, well, how does Latino look? Uh, truth. And I, I would say I've seen all different types, and but it, it's hard. you cannot put just with a voice and a look to all cultures or all people. Absolutely not. One of the things that uh, always has to occur is the question has to be asked. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't ask the question, you'll never know. Um, I'll give you a quick example as to why the question has to be asked. I was in the um, I was in a store that is here in Houston very early in the morning. And uh, I usually come into work at 7. So I was there about 6.45, what have you. And um, there were two cashiers in there, and both cashiers were speaking Spanish. Mm -hmm. I speak Spanish, as you know, Brandon, and I teach Spanish also. And these two um, cashiers were speaking in Spanish, talking about their most intimate uh, exploits as they were at the visit <laughs> to an Abjin doctor. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I personal, A personal conversation, you would say. Yes, a okay. very, very personal and intimate conversation. And they assumed I didn't speak Spanish, but I didn't give away that I knew Spanish. I just um, listened. And when I went outside, I got in my car, I called my wife, and I said, baby, you wouldn't believe what I just heard. And I just break it, broke it down to her, you know. And we always laugh at that. I get that two, three times a week. And it's only because people don't ask. They assume things that they shouldn't. Mm. So who said that a language is restricted to a specific color? Uh, it does not happen like that. Or not only color, I always also say area. Because it, it's, I find out it's, it's interesting. A lot of people ask me when I came to Seattle, like, do I speak Spanish as well? And I, I found that interesting. They're like, well, you do, do you are from Texas. And I'm like, no, I would like to speak Spanish one day. You know, I'm still working on my Duolingo. I know um, very, what, Piquito amount, <laughs> but... Yeah, Piquito, Piquito is deep. Yes, go ahead. And, 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 and that's something that, you know, I find interesting as well because the location area, as well as the accent, you know, when I start speaking on the phone or even when I'm speaking online to other individuals when they hear my voice, they automatically like, yeah, you're from the South. I've had some people say perhaps Louisiana, but I've heard people are like, oh yeah, you're from Texas. That's something unfortunate. I'm going to say, unfortunately, I take pride into my um, country twang. Some people would yes. say, yes. Uh, and that's one of the points where we have everything culture other than everything culture as well. Yeah, I want to make sure to take pride with it, but it, it, it's so interesting because you, you mentioned even stories about a woman in the store saying something um, somewhat, y'all, I think your carts bumped together and she said something and you had to um, let her know you can understand what she was saying. And I, I mean, I mean, I've heard that story, I would say in 2006, I would say, well, not 2006, let's say 2011, I would say. And okay. I was like, oh man, I love it. And or once again, to add a little bit more with Stubbins' um, history, he used to, he probably does teaches culture diversity and cultural awareness, and it's such a lively class. I love, and it's such a learning uh, experience because I, even though I was the facilitator for the training, 
I would come to the trainings every single session and still want to sit down and back because it felt like I learned something new each time. And it really wanted me, it, it made me want to broaden my horizons and bring awareness to other people as well. So once again, that's one of the reasons we do here at Everything Culture is to connect cultures. We all have our differences and we all have our similarities at the same time. But exactly. I, I think it's so important for us to talk about these things and communicate about these things instead of having a assumption about it. Because as the word, you know, the good saying say, uh, when you assume you met an ass out of you and me. So, <laughs> correct, absolutely, absolutely. And if I may, if I may interject here, Brandon, one of the things that I, I always say is that uh, what is yours is yours to keep, and mm. there should not be a value as to whether it's right or wrong. Mm. It is yours to keep, and you should stand proud and, and own it. Yes. And yes. you spoke about accents and the the southern accent is is a thing that is just yours. My accent is West Indian accent, and mm-hmm. I can let it flow, or I can pull it back, or however it might be. Now, whenever I pull it back, it's because I have a need for people to understand me. But mm-hmm. when I get to my hometown, which is, um, and I, I consider Panama still my hometown, my mom is still alive, she lives there, so Amen. I visit her often. And when I get home, um, I use the twang that we use at home, and the the linguistic, uh, constructive, uh, phonetics and spellings and all that stuff. Okay. Otherwise, I would be looked on like, all right, you must be crazy because you don't understand how we speak <laughs> around here. And that is what, that is one of those things that is part of what a cultural identification is made up of. Okay. Um, we can't just absorb others and not bring some of ours. And some people do that, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's for a reason, and that's understandable. But if we're truly to be uh, folks who are able to learn more in order to provide more, I believe we should stand up for what is ours. Uh, so it's just one of those agree. things that I stand by. And I won't hold that. I won't hold that. I won't, we're going to come back to that as well. But I want, you know, we're once again, season two, excited to have it back. And I've done a few changes to the makings of you. So right now I'm going to go over a list of questions for you and we will let, like, just say how you feel. I don't think you have any issues doing so, but just a few, I switch it up a little bit, but just, Hey, we want to hear from you. Esteban. So first question, how would you describe yourself? Okay. I am an Afro Latino okay. who happened to have been born in Panama. Okay. And has, has a mixture of the British culture from the West Indian part of my grandparents and my parents, the Panamanian culture. I was born and raised there in Panama, the American culture, because I was actually uh, living in all my life in Panama on the Canal Zone, which was American territory, federal mm-hmm. government of the uh, Canal Zone was there uh, during the time that I was growing up, high school, middle school elementary school wait hold on we didn't have middle school we had elementary junior high senior high school okay and i then was schooled under the american system i graduated from nova university southeastern and uh canal zone college before that which is situated right under the bridge of america's there in in the canal zone and then when I came up here, I completed graduate studies with University of Phoenix. So I'm a mixture of all of that. Right. In addition to that, I'm also a mixture of anything that I think I want to adapt for my benefit. Love it. Love it. 
Okay. And, and you kind of covered the next question as well. How would you describe your childhood and your upbringing? It was a mixture of a number of things. My mom was a teacher, and back in her days, um, having been a sibling, uh, having been part of a sibling group of 12, my dad being part of a sibling group of nine, mm -hmm. um, they didn't have much resources like we would, uh, we would see today. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom was able to come up, go to school, what was referred to as normal school, which inferred it was a normal school for people who wanted to be teachers. And um, my dad went to the eighth grade. He went into work for uh, what's referred to as a, the butcher store in the marketplace. And uh, after about a year or so, he went into becoming a police officer, well, not a police officer, but a correctional officer. Okay. And he did that for a number of years and he stayed in that line of work until he retired uh, 45 or 48 years after. Wow. Both so influence, yeah, both of those influences, I think, have kind of shaped what I do today in, in the social work uh, arena. Uh, dad being a cop, mom being a teacher. Okay. And that, once again, love her. Main reason why we do these questions, learn about the childhood and going to who, what do you do today? And so going to the next question, where do you consider home? Home is Panama. That's where I was born. That's where I was raised. Uh, my blood is in that canal. Okay. Um, my grandfather and my father, I worked there. My brother worked there. My mother worked there. All my relatives worked there. That's what I, that's where I came into being who I am today. And, um, my growth took place in several places around the world. I've been to several, several parts in the, um, West Indies and in Central and South America. And of course here in the United States. And I think that all those things are, are, can, have contributed to who I am today. But if I were to say home, home would be Panama. Uh, here is where I live now. And, um, that happens and that's the progression of things with people in the world okay, okay. you you're born one place and you live where you feel like living after you're able to do just that change happens and mm -hmm. uh, and going to the next question is what were and are your beliefs in regard to what in whatever you feel that uh, is a okay. completely All open right. end okay I, I uh number one belief is uh God, okay. you you cannot be so arrogant, arrogant to believe that you just blinked your eye and you appeared here and all these things bow down to you. That's crazy, I believe. Mm -hmm. I do think that um, once you understand that there there is he or she or only however you want to call it, that is greater than you and is the creator of all that we see around us, then you can move on to the next step, which is to... Um, revere, understand, uh, develop, and um, inspire family. Mm. And when I say family, I'm not just referring to having kids. I'm, I'm referring to uh, being in a place where you can um, help others to help themselves so that we can be productive all together. Because if you only think you're going to help yours and nobody else's, then you, what you're doing is you're setting up uh, a situation whereby what you sent around is going to come right back around and hit you in the head. Mm, mm, 
See, everybody, so everybody's not ready for that, but they need to hear it. That's all. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that, that's deep. That's, that, that, you, you would get a high five, a pound, all that good stuff for me right now. <laughs> okay. And going into the next question, um, you know, and once again, these questions they get a little deep at times, but you can, it don't have to be, it can be positive. It just, whatever comes to mind. And yeah. the next question is, what was an impactful moment in your life? impactful moment in my life was uh, December 20th, 1989, when the United States under President uh, George Bush father invaded uh, Panama to remove General Manuel Antonio Noriega because he was just acting a fool and he was doing things that he should not have done. And uh, more so, he was endangering the lives of innocent people because he wanted to maintain his single lifestyle. Uh, I do believe that um, the show of force that the United States had was over too much. I mean, gee whiz, when you get a stealth bomber to drop a smart bomb on one building and destroy it, and yet still leave the building across the road intact, mm-hmm. you know that's high technology. That was not necessary. All you needed was a couple of foot soldiers down there, seize two or three uh, uh, you know, police stations or garrisons, and that's it. Those guys would have given up. But wow. still, yet yeah, um, the place was decimated. But there was a need for all that was going on to be halted, and it was halted in this way. Uh, some things we can control, others we cannot. I could not control this one, but uh, it had to happen, and it did. So that was one of the most significant days in my life, in the life of my family, where bombs exploded around you you see flags burnt up uh, you hear uh, things in the distance that you cannot control you hear gunfire you hear gunships and i was living right on the bank of the canal i'm talking about uh 50 feet away from me is the canal i saw all the ships come through all my life all the way from i was born all the way up until i was in my early 30s before i came to uh to live in the United States. Oh my gosh! Man, I that, that now that's a new story I haven't heard heard <laughs> from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. all our conversations. I'm, that's amazing, man. And it's like I won't keep going with the questions, but I really want to come back to that too because we uh, people to this day are dealing that with that same situation, but in different countries right now. Yes. So yes. That, that, that that's something we think we need to discuss on this show and people in general. Um, going to the next question, how do you define joy? It is that which we see, feel, taste, or touch when a sense of accomplishment becomes a twinkle in your eye that says, well done. Um, accomplishment is when You can sigh and say, all right, I've I've helped someone, I've saved someone, or I've said something that is edifying to someone. It could be as simple as good morning, Mm. as simple as that. Um, And I could get deeper, but I'm going to leave it right there. (laughs) But hey, perfect. Who were and are your role models? Um, Crisco. That's the name that they gave my dad because he was so happy go lucky and he's definitely still superman in my life um he's not with us anymore for the last six years he's he was gone um 
it's a result of, um, you know, he had some heart issues and what have you, but um, he's always been my hero, still is. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was right there, right behind him, because she did a whole lot of things that we didn't think she could do. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother never drove in her life, for example, and one day she decided she would do it, and she drove for a stretch of about 50 miles. I was in the car, and I remember that very well. <laughs> my question was, Mom, so why don't you want to drive? She said, no, no, that's, that's what your dad does. Old oh. school talk. Oh, but man. Still, to this day, it, it made sense to me that she can, but she had the choice. Mm -hmm. And somebody was looking out for her. So it comes all the way back to full circle. What? You have people looking out for each other. Yes, and we're going to come back to that too. We kind of discussed that on the previous episode, with, but we're going to come back to that. We got a few more questions. I love it. Okay, go ahead. Um, what is a quote that you live by? And who, who I know you're going to tell us who, you know what the quote, quote is from. Well, I don't, I don't remember where this one comes from, but this quote is, uh, and I have a whole lot of them, but this is you. the latest one that I saw. <laughs> it says, in the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Mm. And I think that's impactful because if you're a friend and you just stick around and your friend is getting beat down and you have nothing to say because you don't want to get involved, then you're not a friend. Mm. You're just an accessory to the crime. Uh, so that is how I see it whenever I have to talk to youth who are in trouble with, let's say, juvenile probation. And they need to uh, attend my classes because they need to clear things up or learn a skill before they can be um, successfully reintegrated into the community. Mm. That's the way I see it. If I don't get involved, then who's going to get involved? I just can't stand on the side. That's that's not me. That's beautiful, 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 beautiful. I, you know, I'm gonna have to share. We, I'm gonna have to look, Google that too. What X from again? Because that's highly needed for what we have in our society from now and in the future. Okay, now we're gonna hopefully we're gonna lighten up a little bit here. So, last meal, and this this last meal doesn't mean that you could have to be in prison or anything. It just could be the last thing you know you want. What would you last thing you would want to eat if you knew this would be your last meal? Um, what will it be, and who would prepare it for you? It doesn't matter who, if they're here or not. Just who would you want to prepare for you? Celebrity or family? It doesn't matter. Okay, we definitely be some fish I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a pescatarian but I like fish I grew up in Panama you swim and you eat fish that's, that's what okay. you do uh, who would prepare it um, hmm, that's interesting that could go between my mom my daughter my wife um, those are the people who's uh, cooking I, I adore and um, I cannot think of anybody else who could prepare a very good fish that is uh, the one that I would like Okay, um, okay. So that would be my answer there. If you ever come up to Seattle while I'm here, I got a few places I'm gonna take you. It, Absolutely. I, 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 I've never had such great fish in my life as I've had up here in this area in the um, Vancouver, British Columbia, and here in Seattle, Washington. It's been great. crazy. But I'll make sure to put you on some things. Um, how would you want people to remember you? As a person who put one leg in front of the other to help others because I believe that the others who are coming after will help those people who are part of my immediate family, extended family, overall family, my martial arts community, my, uh, my social work community, my 
my whole world. And I can say you're doing a great job with that as long as I've known you. From working with CASA to working with Pace Youth to yeah. the Pelgin. I mean, in Harris County, you've been instrumental. And I hope people will continue to understand that hopefully, you know, we're doing a good job letting others know about the great work that you do as well. So thank you so much. Um, and how would you describe your culture? It would be a mixture uh, of things, people, places, tastes, um, accents, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, sporting uh, organizations, and um, that which causes for them to move forward and grow. Because you can have an organization, my example is we have an organization right now that I've been a part of since I was seven. And um, the people who started it are still around me today. I've known these people for quite some time. And my instructor in this martial arts world is a person who is now being recognized by uh, two governments as uh, the maximum exponent of his art. And... Um, Mainly, not because he is a practitioner, but because he is one who's given back and has influenced a community, utilizing his martial arts uh, as as a platform. Mm. Okay. okay. Well, thank you so much, Sharon Esteban, with the makers of you. Um, if you have anything else you'd like to share, we'd love to hear it. But we always try to get to know a little bit more about our guest and just that thought process about life and what, what makes them who they are. So um, thank you again. And, you know, we're going to get into a few of our topics, but let's get it going. So I know one thing with listen to the makers of you, you mentioned your mother driving. And it, it is something that we talked about. And she said she, her, your, your father did all the driving. That was his job. That was his position. And, right. Now, you know, we spoke about gender roles a little bit, and I think that's something that can be fluid. You can speak about all the time, but I was raised by majority of women, okay, in my life. Okay. I, I've had my grandfather in my life. Um, I had my uncle. I've had some other men here and there, some older cousins, but the majority and who kind of helped, we had a lot more matriarchs in my family. When, when, I, when I was raised, I had my grandmother, my grandfather, um, mother, and that was my younger. Then I had my aunt that raised me later on. But I did not know that a gender role was that the man was supposed to drive the vehicle. That's something was complete, I was completely oblivious to it. And when I started dating my wife, she would kind of hint to, like, you want me to drive? And... And, and that was something that was curious. That was, that was something that it kind of weird to me because even my father-in-law, he was like, so you're going to have my daughter drive? And I was like, absolutely. What do you mean? <laughs> she got two hands and some feet. She can hit that pedal. It's okay. And, and I thought it was just him. I, I really didn't think it was so widespread. Now, like, and from hearing that, I just find it so curious. Can you think of any other gender roles that you grew up with that perhaps that you hold on to or things that you kind of went by the wayside? 
Well, um, and, and I and and mind you, I don't necessarily hold on to the fact that the man has to be the one who drives. Now that was my mom and right. my dad's thinking. Right. Another thing that they had, and I grew up with in my house because my mom did it, and she was very cool with it. She cooked everything. My dad did not know how to boil water. <laughs> <laughs> my mom did not go into the uh, workforce until my brother. Until my brother went to uh, college because mm-hmm. I wanted to get a little extra money to pay for his college. Wow. So that was something that was something that was done then. So that was another quote unquote male dominated area. Mm. You don't work, you don't cook, you don't drive, those kind of things. But mom did everything else. Of course, another uh, dominated area was that didn't necessarily go to church. Mm. He was mm-hmm. a believer, but mom did that, and mom took the children, that kind of thing. It's Again, it's old-school type thinking that came with their uh, pro- procedence or being from the West Indies because that's what was done. And then, of course, the, the type of worshipping that was done was primarily Episcopalian, which came mm-hmm. from that British background, the Church of England, and influenced uh, the territories there in the West Indies, which, you know, when my grandparents went to Panama, they brought that with them, along with foods and stuff like that. So those were the things that were kind of uh, dominating the culture. Okay, okay. And, and, and you already answered that you don't hold on to the the gender roles so much. And Oh, no. Yeah, oh, and, no. I, 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 have, I have a very progressive... Uh, thinking wife, <laughs> very yes. much so. I, I I do as well, but she still wants me to drive everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> now, if we go out, if we go out, you know, that's usually what her preference would be. Unless I tell her I'm so tired, I just need to sleep, so she needs to take over. Mm-hmm. I've done that a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Same, same, same. Yeah. I, I cannot yeah. drive while I'm sleepy. Um, but over the past, actually, since doing this show uh, as of last year, I've taken over majority of the driving because. Once it goes back, it's a role that I did not have in my family, but she still she still would like to have it. So those are certain things that I look for when you're and you've you're married that we say before. How long have you been married? Uh, forty two years. Oh my gosh! You know yeah, I got, I'm, I'm, well, see, we we well, let me tell you a little bit more about me. Uh, tell us. At the age of uh, sixteen, I decided that the religion we were practicing wasn't what I wanted to do, so I did mm. some investigation, and I uh, came into the knowledge of the Nation of Islam. Mm. And I there in Panama, yeah, way down there, we uh, we meaning myself and my my current my wife um, decided that we will become believers of Islam okay. under the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And so we, we kind of got into it. We learned to speak a little Arabic and say prayers and all that stuff, the whole nine yards. And as such, we were able to kind of change our thought processes in regard to so many different things. And that's why I don't necessarily ascribe to any traditional modes of understanding, of teaching, of worshiping, of all that kind of stuff. Currently, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a believer in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and but I do not ascribe to any specific um, mode of of worship. So I go to a non-denominational church with, to which I belong for about 28 years, and then never ever so often I visit around because I have friends that are part of different religious uh, organizations and stuff like that. So I don't use that as a shield or a wall. 
to keep me from interacting with people because I believe people are people. Whenever we give them a specific uh, title that separates us, then that's where we start with, with dealing with issues. Oh, so there's there's differences all the way around. So that, that also contributes to understanding more about culture too because given to you 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 transcended through several cultures through that one statement you just made from episcopalian to and jumping to the nation of islam to coming yes. back to um believing jesus christ is your savior and it being on yes. domination or not that is mm-hmm. like that, that i was just, just thinking while you're speaking i like yeah we're gonna have to bring you back on another show for sure because, <laughs> because that is, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Because, um, and you did it with your wife. That's the other thing. You did it with your wife, and you know, God bless. And it's a beautiful thing. The forty-two years. That is an amazing accomplishment. There's another. That's another show right there talking about being married and making that distance and that's right. going through so many journeys like I, I've, I've been with my wife we've been married for eight years now we're going on eight years and it's just you know we were like wow we grew up together and, exactly you know, and that's my case also <laughs> and and, just, and that's and she still y'all stuck with each other through these I, I would say large changes within your beliefs and culture because i would say religion is hand in hand or is culture within itself because exactly. even being once again, I, I will go down the path of uh, well, you know what? Wait, we're gonna come back today. We're gonna take our quick break, uh, halfway through half mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back right with y'all in a moment. All right, all right, we're back at it. Um, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. I stopped on. Um, we'll once again, we was getting talking about marriage and 42 years and the experiences, like shine some light on how. how to make it to 42 years, especially well, this day and age. What I can tell you is we, you, we're just like you and, and your wife. We grew up together, and, and uh, there in the Canal Zone, the Canal Zone was uh, uh, Panacea. It was a place in the Republic of Panama where the United States got involved because of the canal and the construction of the canal, and they stayed there. It is um, geographically... 52 miles long by eight miles wide at its widest point. And it, it, it is where the canal was constructed. And as you know, it's one of the main maritime uh, waterways that, that allows for the transit of um, so many different commercial waterborne um, uh, ships and what have you. Mm-hmm. And they get bigger and bigger all the time, but it's for, it's for um, world commerce. And that is what brings a whole lot of things a whole lot of changes, a whole lot of cultural exchanges. My wife and I um, grew up within that little canal zone area, and it was separate. The government was separate. You had your own police department, your own courts, your own supermarket, your own shoe store, your own schooling system, which, by the way, they had um, uh, separate but equal. Mm-hmm. You know, you had for whites and you had for blacks. Mm. And, and that's what went on there. Everything that occurred here in the United States occurred there in the Canal Zone because the Canal Zone was a part of the United States outside of the United States. Yeah. And, and for another show, I'll explain to you why we, at that point, were not U.S. citizens. That's a whole new ballgame, another discussion altogether. But the thing is, because of that, <laughs> if you lived on the Canal Zone, you had to work on the Canal Zone. If you did not work on the Canal Zone, you could not live there. My parents and my wife's parents 
lived in the canal zone in the, yes, black community. Mm. And because of that, we grew up together here. We, we were born in the same hospital around the same time. We went to the same preschool. We went to the same elementary school. Then she went to private school. I stayed in public school. Okay. And, but we still stayed together because we, we lived, what, four houses away. And um, because of that, we've known each other all our lives. And then, you know, we started getting serious when in uh, high school and what have you. And we got married pretty early. I was 20. She was 19. So, oh, man. you know, we, we decided to. But we had that different mentality. Remember I told you about that, getting involved in Nation of Islam, stuff mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. That is what transformed our way of thinking. And when it did that, we were able to see things clearer from a different standpoint. Through the bushes, we could see what was in the foreground. Man. Remember that in, in the uh, presentation, I always show you those things <laughs> that look like um, a bunch of sticks. And then when With I turn to you, you see the actual thing. Yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what we were able to do. Choice. We were able to see it clear once we moved across the road and stood up in another position. And then it went, we went, oh, that's it. <laughs> and we asked questions. <laughs> Okay. We, I mean, I have a there's question. a whole lot of things. How, yes, often, how often do y'all argue about these topics? <laughs> or have a disagreement? How often do we disagree? How many days in a week again? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, oh, I asked that I mean, question. But we have, it is how it's done. Yes, yes, yes. I, and I asked that question because everything you're saying, it sounds like my uh, my wife and myself, is because we, I, I, and I, I, I love her because she's a free thinker. You know, and she she's challenged me about so many different things, and she doesn't look at things from the basic concept. It's always a deeper lining to it, and it, it's the yeah. same with myself. And sometimes, you know, like you said, how we take care of it. Like even last night, we were talking about justice. What is justice? How the law represent? Should it be black and white, or should it just be? based off previous facts and experiences and punishments and we have to come to the point we just had to agree to disagree you know because <laughs> we can we yeah. it's like we can get very heated with one another but it's like if it's something we're strong on we're, we're going to look at all aspects of it and if i'm missing something she's going to help me look at it from a different perspective as well and i think that i think that's extremely helpful for a relationship especially a marriage Where's- it sounds like you guys do the same thing too. You start a conversation on Monday and you probably wind up around Thursday or Friday, huh? Oh man. That's, that's exactly what we do now. <laughs> we've come to the point now where it doesn't make any sense to fuss because you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're you don't getting, have to we're fuss to go ahead and have a nice makeup. You just make up and you just forget the middle part. Just go straight to makeup. <laughs> so we don't even fuss about stuff like that. We just say, all right, we're having a conversation. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, let's take it from there. And, and, and trust me, I've been guilty of it. Same thing with my buddies. I get a little too passionate about things, and I'm like, you know what? Let me not stress about it. But then it goes back towards what you was the comment you made earlier about friends. Like, if you see all this going on and you don't say nothing, I'm I feel right. guilty. I feel guilty. That's that's been my personality. But um, I don't know if you've watched the film Harriet. Um, that was really I have not had that opportunity yet. I hot, like that's, that's yeah, that that's going to be good. But no, I haven't had that opportunity yet. So this is a little plug, everyone out there and all our listeners. I know it's been a conversation. A lot of African Americans, a lot of people don't want to watch quote unquote slave movies. But this is a, the movie to me was a, extremely motivational. Okay, and and it, it had me think in a different way and had a I reflected upon myself 
because when she was helping slaves run away, she mainly came yes. back for her love, her her husband, or soon to be, I think it was a husband at the time, and but everybody thought she was dead, especially him. And he remarried. By the time she came back, she was a, a she was emotionally distraught. I didn't like that part of the movie because I'm like, you know, he thought she was dead. You can't be too mad at the guy. But either way, um, <laughs> Not that's a big conversation. I, it, it is. It is. Once again, we'll get back to it. But the part is, she would try to. She was trying to get her brother. She was trying to get other her parents, her sisters, and some people was not ready to run. They were like, I'm not, and like, and you can't make me run. And it was deep. It was deep. It, it, I'm getting goosebumps and chills right now. And that's how I feel about some things now. It's sometimes I feel like we need to make this move. We need to be more aware. We need to run. We need to step up. And then I have to look back. Everybody's not going to be ready. Only thing I can do, and it, it, and it can't stop me from running as well. So, and that's what, how she took it. She prayed about it. She moved forward, and she had faith. So, you know, to anybody out there that, you know, sometimes you want to make that move and it seems like the people, your support group is not there, you have to keep going. Now, and, and it's not saying you keep going and forget about them because she always came back. And that would really made her such a, a legend and a such a person we should remember, especially during Black History Month that we're celebrating right now, that she all she kept moving and she always came. She never forgot and she always came back for the ones that could not do without so that's something that just made me think about with um, conversations that we have with spouses and things, and we both have that agreement. Because, oh, yes. Yeah. And, and the thing, that, the reason why I live by that code, you know, you have to do for others so that others would do for you, and, mm-hmm. and not only because others do for you, because that's how we are, we are made. We're yes. made to do just that. I'm, I'm part of a, a large brotherhood, and, and that's how we operate. If, if you talk to one, then we share with all the others. And then if there needs to be some action, some action is taken. Mm. But if you require something like that and you don't have anybody to support you or back you up when action needs to be taken, then you can see that you are out in the pond without a paddle. Mm. And oh. yet that's not what you want. That's not a good scene at all. So mm. you got to be involved. You have to be connected somehow. Yeah, that, that's a part of society or it should be human nature. Like you, yes. And it, it, trust me, I, I was going a little stir crazy, and I'm, I'm, I'm going stir crazy when I got here to Seattle because I didn't know anyone. I, 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 I do miss Houston. I'm not going to lie. I, I still miss Houston, and it, it, it's because I've, I've grown, I grew up in East Texas, and been in Houston for 13, 14 years. I built some friends, a great professional relationship and personal relationship with so many different people. And when I had, uh, when and I had to, but I used a decision to up and move. It's like everything's just brand new, and it, and you know, I, you know me. I can we can talk all day, talk at a oh, yeah. drop of a oh, hat, yeah. and it was, it was a little, cause I got that southern charm or that southern you know, um, gift of gab where I say hi and hello to someone and they look at me like, what is his problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who we talking to? Who we talking to? Exactly. I'm like, hi. Yes. Then I have some people. I like, hi. How's your day? And they're like, yeah. My wife is talking about leaving me. I'm like, whoa. I was expecting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my. You know. It's, but that's just the culture and the change that we have. And it, did you see a large change? Well, I know you had to coming from Panama to the. Did you come straight to Texas from Panama, or was it somewhere in between? Yes. Yes. But the thing about it is, I've always been to the states since I was a kid. Uh, we okay. came up here all the time because we 
lived in an American society in a canal zone, so transition to here uh, was very easy. I think I was uh, vac- vacationing in the United States uh, at least once a year from the time I was seven. Mm. So I, oh, wow. I have so much relatives in New York, uh, in L.A., in uh, Florida, I have some, but primarily in New York. I mean, yeah. I can go anywhere in New York and half, half the borrowers up there have my family in them. So mm. it's never been too difficult to, to adjust to life here. But life here came as a result of, of um, situations that we found ourselves in after the war, immediately after the war. I saw where I could probably make things work for me and my wife, but I had to think about my young children. And, you know, where they were going to come to school and where they were going to go to university and where they, what opportunities they would have. Because after the country was devastated by war, I I had to to do something. And my decision was get up, move forward. And yes, I didn't have too many friends. When I came here to Texas, I had, uh, hello, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just, I'm sitting back listening, man. Okay. (laughs) When I came to to Texas, I had, um, um, one, two, three, four, four, four friends that were from that I knew from back in Panama. Mm. One family had those four friends in them, oh, <laughs> so wow. that's it. One family, and then my cousin moved here eventually. So I had to make friends, but that wasn't too difficult because once I started working here, and yeah. people saw that I had a different perspective about life. Because I mean, when we're in Panama, everybody sees everybody else, and we hug and we kiss. That kind of stuff, on the cheek, that kind of stuff. When I came here and I started doing that, I had to pull back because I was so, hey, HR don't, don't understand that kind of cultural practice. So I had to pull back. But I still continue to be the person who would talk to everyone. Now that, they couldn't stop. I'm writing and that that's down, why too. That's a good conversation is, for the future. Exactly. So you, see, so you see the similarities between us, and we are from, wow, what, hundreds and thousands of miles apart? Mm-hmm. That's the commonality that I, I sought out in, in the folks that I met. In the, in the workforce and and in my travels and what have you and and it worked for me it worked for my children and but of course there's always another side mm-hmm. and the other side is people will look at you and say oh man you're strange and they, there's something i don't like about you you from a different place i've been called so many different things mm-hmm. that i choose to ignore because when you understand who you are it's easy for you to ignore nonsense and ridiculous behavior and stupid comments you reserve all your strength and your might and your your uh your 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 quips of smart um talk for for when you get before people that understand it because otherwise you throw it away mm. you just you just throw it away and and I've had a lot of that um I had one person walk up to say to me and say uh you must be a black Mexican <laughs> and started laughing and I said well one thing you don't understand is that the original Mexicans were black if you look at the uh, old Mech culture, you might learn something. And the person got upset with me because I said something that they did not know. Everybody don't know everything. Man. I just happen to know that because I'm a student of diversity. That's it. So See, that's just why I love our conversations, man. And for, for everybody that's listening to this episode, this is what we do. Not, not only on everything culture, this is what... Oh, my friend here, Esteban, and myself, this is what we do. When we get together, we talk. And 
we would love for everybody to join the conversation as well. Let them know that their, your feedback and your thought process. Because even what you're saying right now with that individual, I, you gave them some knowledge. And you gave them uh-huh. an opportunity to learn. Many people don't want to learn. And that this show is, we can talk noise. I don't. We're not sit, sitting face to face with each other, but sure, I, I have your beverage or drink of choice or food, whatever you like. And we sit around and we have conversations, and we want to share these conversations because we're, I believe, we're intelligent individuals as well as we're caring individuals more than anything else. And yes. and more and more we yes. grow and explore this world from all ages and all perspectives. That's how I think that's what we should do to the end of time. And not saying we have to force our beliefs on anyone. We just talk about them because we may learn something from it. Because um, I, I like with saying Mexican, you know, what is a Mexican? Let's break down what is a Mexican. Let's break the same thing when I talk about every, when I moved here from Houston and I tell them everything, I heard my accent, they're like, oh, I thought you were using you were using incorrect English. And I was like, you know what, my man, um, it's fine. You, you That's your perspective, but... Isn't the whole English language addiction here in America is slang in in general? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, isn't <laughs> like, correct me if I'm wrong. So who's really wrong at the end of the day? And yes. it, it was something. Oh, oh my gosh, I cannot think of a moment. It was on Twitter. A woman was mentioned. It's something that we use in Houston quite a bit. It is slang that we use, but it's so to the point that it's so normalized in our area. People in other regions don't understand it. And they're like, well, you're wrong. They're like, well, where you're at, we're wrong. But where we are, we're absolutely fine and correct. So it, it, it's that's going towards culture again. People, when they hear culture, some of them just think about ethnicity, race, religion. Culture spans over every thing or everything if you want to say that so that's yeah, the you go. I, I like that's everything that's my preference <laughs> that that's, that's what my preference about. i yeah. go right to music on that one i mean just just listen to some of the music and i'm i'm a child of the family so you know i go back to funking and and you know that kind of stuff you know you play the funk i'm right there with you <laughs> and those brothers said everything is everything so, and oh and, and once again we we can go over it on and on about the conversations and different levels yes. we can take because i didn't even get a chance to talk about living through the war living through seeing you and your wife seeing yes. bond my whole family the Dude, whole family i can imagine I give you, let me give you a quick like piece this thing was so close to us because remember i told you we live right on the edge of the canal right yes. there i mean yes. we i could throw a stone and hit the, the ships if they were mm. passing on on my side because of course you know it's kind of, just think about a two-way lane uh two lanes one going one coming well if they're on my side when they're going i could toss you know a stone or something like that and, and hit the ship that's mm-hmm. how close i am so during the war there were um special forces of the united states um the green beret were in that area but you couldn't see them because they were so well camouflaged and one night uh when everything broke up that same night the 20th it was about ten thirty-two at night and when i went outside because i wanted to know what was going on and I just heard somebody say, sir, go back inside. To this day, I don't know where that came from, mm. who said it. I don't, because these guys were so well entrenched in their areas and strategically placed alongside the banks of the canal. Because if you block the canal, there's, there's, you can wreak havoc. And everybody knows that. So whenever something happens, 
the, the forces that be have to be in place to make sure it does not occur. The canal has never closed doors until that day. I think we closed for one day. Um, there wasn't any transit through the canal. But mm. the, even that was, was painful economically, commercially. Wow, wow, wow. And, and mm-hmm. it is just, do, do you think any, because your children were alive at the time, were they at age to remember it? Yes, yes, they, they are, yeah, they were at, at age to remember it. Uh, and they, uh, we talk about it all the time, as a matter of fact, because I want to hear, now that they're older, what do they remember and how do they, they see it in their lives? If y'all ever and I try to add things <laughs> wow. that they did not know of, and they tell me of things that they do not know of, because I'll... You know, being in this line of work, you're always thinking about PTA. <laughs> and, that, and that's so, exactly like, what's on yeah. my mind. And that, that's exactly what I've been thinking about this full time. And if you want to bring a family succession on on the show, <laughs> and I, I think that's something I would love to have. It could be personal. We don't want to, you know, I, want, I never want to feel like people would be exploiting anyone. But I really want to know. That's one thing I really want to share. Because how many other people are have the same story, have the same experiences, and just don't talk about it? And because it, it, once again, once we start sharing things with one another in a respectful manner, in a way, I think that's how we're going to make our growth with loving one another at the end of the day. And I think so. I'm uh, with you on that. Definitely. And I know we. I think we're a little bit. I, I know you probably got to go. It's up on time. We can catch back. Yes, up. sir. I'm, I'm, I got to run out the door now. I got to get up here and make sure. All these people did what they needed to do and get their certificates. You know what we do. I know, and I said I want to say thank you so much, Estella Mayors. You know, we'll put his details out on the website as well. Um, we greatly appreciate your time. We thank for all our listeners, all our followers. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Everything Culture. Um, you can check it on our website at www.everythingculture. You can go to Twitter at EveryTHGCulture and follow us there. And you also can listen to us on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, as well as SoundCloud. And I want to say thank y'all so much again. So, so, so much. And thank you to D.L. Hughley for the recent share of our Black History Month about Big Rembrandt, um, about the famous people call, quote-unquote, the um, big, um, the Good Times painting. But uh, as every episode we end... Oh, and do you you have anything you'd like to share as well, Esteban? No, no, that's it. That's it, Brenda. Okay. It's your wrap-up. Go ahead, Brenda. Okay, well... As the late great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says that, he said at Cornell University years ago that men hate each other because they fear each other, they fear each other because they don't know each other, and they don't know each other because of segregation and miscommunication. And our goal here at Everything Culture is to bring everyone together so we start communicating so, so we can start loving one another. God bless everyone and peace. Yes, sir. Peace.